0: Of all ages, we proudly bring to you at a studio two one two in the heart of Seattle, Washington, on the Soundcasting Network. This is Physical Culture Radio. I am your super dope host with the most, Greg Jones, at Coach Greg Jones, Instagram and Facebook, along with my super dope host, Chris Edmonds,
1: lead mountain dog diet trainer. Chris, how we doing today? I'm doing great, man. We're recording early, which is honestly my favorite time of the day, is early in the morning. So, yeah. I you know. Unlike normal where I've already trained and had a four meals in when we record, I've only had one <laughs> meal in so far today and uh gonna go smash on some back with one of my old buddies um in a little bit so I- I'm ready to roll
0: so are you, I-, I saw your post yesterday are you gonna be training with Ryan
1: no no not sadly not training with Ryan tomorrow or today um oh. But, uh, so him and I used to get after it, man. I'm telling you, that's some of the best training I've ever had in my life. Um, you know, it's him and I's personalities are so similar. We are highly, highly introverted people in our personal life. Um, but in the gym, man, we just bring the best out of each other. Um, and then I think because of our chosen profession, we're forced to be extroverted. Like, to the community, to the public, to the population. So, you know, it's really, really interesting to see the dynamic between him and I um, in those two different roles and environments. <laughs>
0: right. You know, it's funny. I started uh, lifting with this gal this week, and I did a leg day with her two days ago. And my legs are really sore. Um, the cool thing is when I find a workout partner, It. it I need to work it out with, like, a bodybuilder. Uh-huh. Or working out with a with a girl that's into fitness, and it pushes me a little bit more because I, I, I number one, I don't want the girl to out volume or out work me, and then I don't want the guy to outdo me either. So uh, unless I'm training with like Mark Dugdale, when and it's hard to outdo that guy because he's <laughs> fucking nasty, or like another bodybuilder Marty Van Hoff who's. uh you know, with a, with a Matt Porter guy. Um, it, it just, it's, I, I like working out with work workout partners. I know you're a little different. You're, you're fine by yourself, but, um, I just find that a little bit extra motivation. I think a lot of our listeners out there might find it too. Also, if you need like a person to drop weights for you or drop, do a drop set, it's nice to have a workout
1: partner. So let me say this. I- I, I like so it's funny if I find the right person, I prefer a workout yeah. partner and yeah. this is a great topic. this could be actually be a whole show of in my opinion what choosing the right workout partner for you is but I'm gonna hit some hit some broad things here. one, you have to show up one time yeah. or early if you're late, I'm fucking pissed because I'm not late to train. Uh um that's yeah. step one being late sucks and you're instantly fired because guess what when twelve thirty starts i'm starting no matter if you're there or not so when you get there it's not like oh i gotta warm up now fuck you you're starting when i am where i am at now yeah. um yeah absolutely. step two no talking I'm, I'm a huge thing on that like the few little bit of things like when you're when you first get to the gym like that's why i think you need to get there early so if you don't know what i plan on doing the day before, the, and a lot of times the guys that I work out with, I'll shoot them the workout the night before so they can get an idea of what we're going to do um, so they know. Other than some small coaching cues or, hey, we're doing a drop set here. I want you to pull three plates, two plates, one plate. Um, there, there's no fucking talking outside of just screaming motivation and shit in my ear. Um, yeah. Two, you have to be a similar strength it doesn't need to be exactly what I am. Um, I prefer working out with guys that are stronger than me because it makes me pick up heavier shit. But if I'm stripping like three and four plates, that's just too big of discrepancy (laughs) and too much fucking work. (laughs) Um, but, but the number one thing is this, it's intensity. It's not giving up, not quitting, not complaining. That's the biggest one of that whole list outside of probably being at one time. Um, is you have to be able to match that intensity. You have to be able to want to go to places where we're gonna go and you have to welcome it. Um, So yeah, I actually prefer training partners. I've only probably had four good ones in my whole lifetime um, that I would consider like true brothers who like were there to make each other better and were there to fucking crush each other. Um, th- th- I prefer that because listen, I love force reps. I love assistance on drop sets. I love intensity. I love, you know, if I'm having a down day or a weak day, if they're having a strong day, that's going to make me pick up hard. And, you know, th- right. I, I kind of like, it's always kind of like the sports mentality for me, like, you know, when you're in a max day and everyone's screaming at you and uh, you're going to lift more weight. So I actually prefer to have a training partner. Um, the problem is a lot of times, like, especially where I live, there just aren't many people that fit all four of those categories for me on a, in a, yeah. and, and that lifted the time that I do because I lift right in the middle of the day. And that's when most people work. <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah. you know, and I'm not going to change that. I'm just not like, that's when I train. Yeah. That's when the gym's dead. I don't have to worry about people taking my equipment and stuff like that. So, you know, training partners are huge. Um, I, I would prefer to have one year round uh, for the last show that I did. Um, that's actually the guy I'm going to train with today. His name's Alex. Um, he trained with me the entire time and, and and I loved it and needed it and it helped me. So, you know, he's, he's about 10 years younger than me. Um, and he's pretty similar, if not stronger than me on a lot of things. Um, so that's good. Um, yeah. Again, it's he's close in terms of strength, but intensity he matches it. He doesn't back down. He will literally throw up, pass out, do whatever it takes while we're in that session. So um, that's that's yeah.
0: a good fit for me. So yeah, that's, that's legit. Yeah, yeah. I, I find that uh, I, I don't work out at peak hours in a gym. Plus, like I'm working in my either, either one of my gyms at night, right. so my work hours are usually late afternoon into the evening, like kind of four till eight p.m. So I, I don't work out. Uh, personally, in the gyms, nor will I go in in those fucking peak hours and deal deal with deal with all the bullshit because it's just yeah. I, I like working out when the gym's completely dead, Correct. or the old guys early in the morning. Yep, uh, or like mid morning time where I can get in and on my shit, and you know yeah, people are out of my way, and uh, so yeah, I, I'm I'm right with you on. On, on that
1: philosophy. I'm, I'm just so particular man I like I, I like to train with three meals on my stomach I like to have at least a gallon of water in my in, in me um I like that middle of the day it's typically the hottest time of the day like I, I know that sounds crazy to some people but that, that's just my personality like <laughs> and I've done it for so many years that it's just normal um late at night my brain is yeah. not focused I'm typically locked in and dialed in for work um, my kids are home and I want to be there with them. And I, I, I'm just not thinking about the gym like I need to be. Now, do I train at night if I have to? Yes. And do I make accommodations? Of course, because I'd rather train than miss it. But I just prefer that middle of the day. Like you said, no one's in there. If it is, it's, it's a handful of old people or retired people. Like right now, there's a lot of college kids in the gym that I go to. Um, but oh. <laughs> that's only because they're home from you know for a summer break. But the gym yeah. we're training at today... It'll be Alex and I in there, maybe two older guys, and we will have aggressive musical. We'll be screaming at each other, and it's no air conditioning in the facility we're training at today. So oh, I, God. it's going to be old school. It's gonna be so much fun. <laughs> yeah, that is fun. I, we're going to be drenched in sweat within three or four work sets, and I, I'm just going to go fucking bananas on back. So it's going to be a good day.
0: Nice, nice. Yeah, my uh, my workouts have been going uh, a little bit better. Um, I always have some ongoing little bit of back stuff. My shoulders are feeling so much better. Oh, yeah. And I've just been doing the regular routine of, of yoga and stretching. And I had this gal put together a little protocol for me. And I find when I do this protocol and mobility stuff before my workouts, and it's tedious as fuck. I hate it. <laughs> I don't like doing it. Right. But it makes my shoulders feel better. I actually have been doing some overhead stuff, dumbbell overhead presses for shoulders. I've been doing I've been back to barbell incline and barbell incline smith or free was kinda fucking me up and now it feels decent and I've been pushing over two hundred pounds. I'm not, you know, like pushing over three hundred pounds or anything, but I'm over two hundred and my shoulders don't fucking ache and hurt for Several days after doing this, as long as I do my stretching stuff. So, yeah, kind of in a little bit of a better place. Um, Seem to be real busy too, but yeah, things going well with my training as well. So, getting into the episode today, guys, episode number 28, um, we're going to talk about maximizing your physique while minimizing uh, risking your health in bodybuilding. And this is kind of a a hot topic. I know you had mentioned uh, Dante Trudell, uh, one of the owners, or maybe he's just the sole owner of True Nutrition, um, which we recommend, and they put protein and carb blends together. Really good company. Um, He was mentioning an aspect several years ago about how the drug use in bodybuilding uh, has, has become real rampant. You know, you had... Couple people, you know, Rich Piana in Dallas McCarver. Um, of course, Dallas was really young. Rich, which was a guy in his forties, um, that uh, you know, kind of exceeded their use, or you know, had some had some problems going on, and uh, ended up ultimately dying. And uh, so, what what's your take on the use of PEDs in bodybuilding these days? And where has it gone
1: wrong or where has it gone awry and why has it gone awry in your opinion? The internet. Yeah. (laughs) That's a broad term. All right. So, and I'm going to preface this with, listen, I'm not saying that everyone's doing it wrong, but what I'm saying is that the normalcy of it is way too common. So what, what I mean by that is, I remember back when I started bodybuilding, like you'd hear guys, and I'm going to jokingly say this, ramming 500 megs a test a week. And you and i would be like, oh my God, that's so much, right? Now, <laughs> like girls run that as their first cycle, <laughs> which still blows my mind. Um, and I'd be like, oh my God, like that's so much, right? And that's me being young and naive. And I, I think, you know, everyone wants it tomorrow right you know i, I want to be 300 pounds tomorrow i want to be shredded at 250 tomorrow um the, the yeah. whole patience thing is it is going out the window so you when you company being impatient with the rise of the internet meaning you see people to get views and likes they'll post look at my most extreme steroid cycle right And it's five and six grams of shit and tons of growth and insulin. And what young kids don't realize is they view that as, hey, that's the norm. If, you know, they're saying, oh, you know, two and three grams of test is a normal cycle. Well, I'm here to tell you, no, it's not. Um, Right. We want to get the most out of the least. And if you start with two grams of test as the base of your cycle, where do you go when you're 25 and where do you go when you're 30 and where do you go when you're 40? Um, You know, that's the hardest thing that I think it is to convey to young kids now is they want to start with the advanced stuff. Guess what? As I've said before, your first cycle, in my opinion, if you've never done anything, is a simple uh, regimen of 400 MIGs a test a week. I know a lot of people will laugh at that, but if you're eating right and training right, you will see significant progress off of that. You don't need growth. You don't need insulin at the beginning for your first, I'm talking very first cycle. If you want to kick it off that cycle with you know maybe some anadrol or kick it off with some D-ball to kind of boost it to get in your system fast, by all means, do it. And a little bit of Novodex to, to control your estrogen and you'll be good. Those three things is all you would need for your first cycle, in my opinion. Yeah. Now, the problem is with that and what comes with that is if I'm a coach right and I want to be very selfish and I have a young kid who has good genetics and he's natural I want to I'm going to say this this is not what I'm suggesting but this is the thought process I'm going to pump him full a bunch of drugs we're going to gain 80 pounds in a year and I'm going to post it all over my Instagram and say look how great I am as a coach Right? right because I need money and then all of his buddies are going to see it and then Everyone else is going to be like, holy shit, Chris knows how to put 80 pounds on a guy in a year. Well, yeah, I can do that, but what am I risking? And what I want to think about is slow progress. I I, I don't care. I'm not trying to be anyone that I'm not. I'm going to use a long-term approach with literally everyone um, because that's what I feel like is going to optimally be able to do this, be long-term with it, and minimize health risk. So, You know, if you ask me what the problem is, and, and, you know, if you look at, say, Boston Lloyd, for example, who apparently a bunch of, a ton of young kids, like, look up to and follow, he says extreme shit, and he tries extreme shit to get viewers and attention and money, like, and he's just reckless with his own health. Maybe he's not anymore, but he was at one time. Well, the yeah. moment you put one of those YouTube videos out, the moment you put a Facebook video or Instagram live video out and you list some outrageous protocol, some kid screenshots that and says, fuck yes, I'm going to try this. And then that yeah. knowledge gets passed down and passed down and passed down. And as you know, with anything, everything gets exaggerated, right? <laughs> Suddenly right. that bench press that's 300 is somehow 350 or, you know, I used to run a four, when you really was like four, eight, like, <laughs> as, as an example, right? <laughs> you know, it's yeah. it it's to me like that's what the issue is. Is it's a rush. Everything's a rat race. And it, it doesn't need to be that way. You just pump the brakes. And as I've said before, I think if you said before, if your training and food's not right, pumping a bunch of drugs ain't gonna do shit. Um so yeah. to me, I have to get those first two variables in place. Then the next variable is like sleep, rest, and recovery and stress. If those things aren't optimized, I'm not going to grow no matter how much I use. So to me, like, it's a whole differing shift of mindset of I want it all now versus the more older school approach, which is patience, take your time, grow at a good rate. Because you can only put on so much muscle at one time. Um, So if you're just running your body with tons of chemicals, eventually it's going to become toxic or it's going to start fighting back. And that's what we don't want. And, you know, it's
0: funny. Guys like Dave Palumbo talk about when you're taking uh, anabolic androgenic steroids and you're taking different preparations and putting stuff in your body, whether it's clean stuff or whether it's, you know, kind of iffy on the source or black market, you're, you're putting, you are elevating the toxin levels in your body. There's heavy metals, there's all kinds of stuff. You're putting in different things, different preparations. You don't even really know what you're getting half the time. Um, And I think the internet is to blame for a lot of this. And I think the internet is, is, is to blame for a lot of the drug issues, not just performance enhancing drugs, but also regular drugs as well because now you know, teenagers and kids, and whether it's a young bodybuilder or just a young kid in general, they can go on the dark web, and they can get Xanax's, they can get Percocet, they can get all this shit that gets glorified in in music today, and or, then you, you know, analogous to that, you look at the fitness industry, and you look at the, you know, uh, Instagram influencers, and these fitness guys that you're, and girls that you're mentioning, um, that are doing these outrageous things and, and then posting on it. And if they're not posting on it on Instagram feeds, they're on bodybuilding boards and some more, you know, cutting edge things uh, where, where they are posting about this stuff, glorifying it, where you can get it, and the, and the ease of use of, of the availability of these things. So I think it's the whole constellation that is, you know, contributing to this problem is not just in bodybuilding
1: right you know so 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 let's talk about this too man so think about that like this instagram facebook world we live in right snapchat culture so yeah back i'm gonna say back in the day right (laughs) before social media guys weren't scared to come off and downsize and take some time off from lifting um because no one saw them Or on the flip side, in the off season, they weren't scared to put on a little bit of body fat to gain the lean muscle tissue they needed to add for the next contest season. Now, with all these live videos and people, you know, filming their workouts every day and, you know, posting updates, like this chronic need to always be lean, always be big, always be shredded is kind of engulfed this culture, right? Because, you know, you see all those guys who make videos daily and they're like, with their shirts off and they're shredded and they have abs and veins in their abs and they're, you know, probably sub seven to 6% body fat almost year round. But at the same time they're jacked and full. Like what are they running year round? As opposed to the older school approach of you have time one, you have time off and you ramp into the show with chemicals. Like, yes, we need to peak for show day um, or the shows that we're doing, but we don't stay peaked year round. And I think this, Culture that we are in now, especially young kids, feel the pressure and need to say, "I have to always be shredded and big," like, and that's just not a healthy. But unless you have really, really good genetics, most people can't even do yeah. that without extreme chemical use here around. And you know, it, go ahead.
0: That that brings me actually to the specific example of Sean Roden a couple months ago. <laughs> so Sean Roden was guest posing along with some of the other top five or top ten Mr. Olympia guys at this show called the Pittsburgh Pro. Um, and he was up next to, I think, Big Ramy. The Big Ramy and Dexter.
1: So it was know. it was Dexter, Roly, Bonac, um, the ones that Bonac, I remember. Yeah.
0: Sean Roden. And Sean Roden was visibly smaller, and he was visibly smaller and and, and fatter, so like double (laughs) whammy combo that you're not supposed to do Um, and everybody's looking at him like, how the fuck were you Mr. Olympia last year? These guys look so much bigger than you, they're in better shape what I looked at when I saw that in that physique that he brought is this is a guy who's in his early 40s and he's obviously cycling down maybe he was on TRT uh, and these other guys are Jack as fuck in the off season. And I'm thinking, okay, they're obviously running more stuff, more things in the off season than he is. Um, and I don't think he made any bones about it. He's like, okay, I'm going to guess those. But guess what? I think come September, when he competes as Mr. O again, I bet he turns that back around. He's gonna have to. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think he will, and I think his body will be primed to do so, and I think that's a good example of kind of what we're talking about is not trying to be – and this is a guy who has to be, you know, and he's Mr. Olympia, so he took a ton of flack about it. A ton of the people on the different boards were like, what the fuck? You know, why is he so small? Why did he – well, I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to figure out why he was smaller and fatter and – um, okay, yeah, maybe his diet did slip a little bit, but I, I think the guy was still training. I don't think he was, like, not training. So- but I bet he did drop a bunch, of his, a bunch of his compounds, and I bet he didn't want to stay in what he had done for the prep in the previous year, which won him the Mr. Olympia, and continue that all year round, and, and then ramp the buck back up in the summer and... and you know, superdose himself into the Mr. O again. I, I, I like strategy.
1: So that he looked like someone to me who was not remotely following a meal plan, who was probably drastically under eating good food and just haphazardly eating poor food. Um, he looks like someone yeah. who wasn't training intensely. I, I don't know if he was working out or not, but if he was, he wasn't lifting hard. Um, and then it looks yeah. like someone who came completely off and, Right, You know, listen, he knows his body better than anyone. And I know yeah. a bunch of Mr. Former Olympias. I know Jay, I know Ronnie, I know Dorian all ripped him to pieces and said, look, you're being a terrible ambassador to our sport. Like we would have never done that in the prime of our Mr. O runs. And yeah. that's a lot of heat. Those are big words, man. When Jay Cutler says that, who very rarely will like speak negatively about someone like that says a lot, like that has to be a huge shot to the ego. And if I was betting money, that had to have lit a huge fire in his stomach to say, "I yeah. need to get back to work." And you know, right. if if it was me, I would be I would have been terrified. I, first of all, I would never have done that guest posing if I was him. I just wouldn't have done it. I would have said I was injured, um, <laughs> just the truth. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if some of his biggest competition is definitely going to be Bonac and Brandon Curry, and both of those dudes looked massive and. I standing beside them in front of a live audience and with the internet now, everyone took photos, everyone screenshotted those photos and we're just posting and posting and posting. And the next thing you know, that shit spread like wildfire. Where in the old days, if it would have just been the people in attendance and word of mouth, that would have never gotten around the whole bodybuilding community as fast as it did. <laughs> so yeah. you know, I have two thoughts on that. I think that, you know, Kevin Lavroni did that with great success his whole career you know, he would come off, he'd stop training, he'd stop eating, and he'd look like he was teeny. and the next thing you know, he'd blow up and win. Same thing with Flex Wheeler. They talk about Flex Wheeler doing that, right? Got in that car wreck, look emaciated, Uh, Milos talked about it at length, he came came to him and Sean Ray and said, look, I'm fresh off injury, he was like 200 pounds and said he was fat and small, just like Sean, and then next thing you know, Sean Ray said in six weeks, the dude looked like he was ready to win the Arnold. So, Listen, those guys play by different rules, first of all, the way they can grow and get full and leaner at the same time. Um, So I don't doubt that ability. The only thing I would have to be curious about is what does he have to do in terms of drug use to get back to his old form? Does he have to abuse them? Or does he just have to use normal dosing? Or does he actually use less than what we would consider in this world as normal um, because he's right. so genetically gifted? I'd love to know that. That'd be cool insider information. I know, based off RX Muscle, uh radio, that Chris Asito said he's going to have to starve him like a motherfucker and do tons of cardio. So, you know, <laughs> I don't think yeah. that's it. Listen, I think the dude has an iron wheel. I don't think he'll say no to anything. He'll do whatever it takes to get back there. But I always wonder, like, when you have off time like that and you downsize as much as you do, what do you have to do if we're speaking specifically about, you know, chemicals, what does he have to do to get that size back at that fast of a rate? Because it's not that much longer till September, if you think about it. Um, And he has a lot of muscle to put back on. So, you know, I don't know that. That's only, you know, only a handful of people know that answer. (laughs) Um, So yeah, that's something I'd be curious about.
0: Well, and you know, that gets, us to the point, uh, one of the points that we need to make on this show about in the macro of training uh, and doing, let's say, one to two contests a year. Let's say you do both contests and just use the Mr. Olympia as an example is doing a couple fall shows. Let's say you've got one in middle September and one in the beginning of November. Um, when you are your prep now whether that's you know the prep now I'm not talking about the off season, so the prep coming into the fall so the better part of the summer um, and you're coming into the prep whether that's a 12-week or a 15-week or a 20 week prep how much different does your prep cycle look compared to after the show when you clean your body out effectively And then you go into the off-season, you reverse diet, you go into the off-season. What does that usage look like? And then I'm not even talking about, like, we don't even need to talk about IFBB pros because most people out there listening are not IFBB pros. They may have done a show or two at the MPC or some kind of organization throughout the world. um, And there's some, you know, they're amateur, whether it's a low-level amateur at a local show or they're getting into nationals, masters nationals, you know, open younger nationals. Um, what should that look like, you know, in a year macro time? So for the prep leading into the show, after the prep, into the off season, what, what is a healthy way to approach this? And what is a, What, what, what is a responsible way for your health in the longevity, longevity of training? You know and competing for ten to fifteen to twenty years if you're a guy or a gal in you know your early twenties or mid twenties and you want to compete in the masters you want to compete in your first because you love the sport you love to compete what's that gonna look like
1: okay um i'm I'm gonna save this for the intermediate to low advance this is not for beginners <laughs> is right. it, is that what we're talking about here yeah yeah, okay. yeah. Cool. Mean, I just don't want to go right into. I,
0: I feel like if we're talking about
1: IFBB pros, yeah, it's like a whole different yeah, level. That, that's a different category, uh, without a doubt. That's a it's way a different, different category. Yeah, it, it's a different category. So I'm, I'm going to talk we're about,
0: about. Yeah, most of the people out there. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and again, this is not this is not beginner because as I said at the beginning, beginners right. we use way way less because we want to get away with it. Um, as long as we can, we want yeah. to maximize each supplement and compound as much as we can before we add something else. So. For the normal people, um, in terms of intermediate, um, you're what I would consider a higher level local to regional competitor, people maybe that do juniors, looking to eventually get on a national level stage and turn pro, this is what I would consider. So you have to first determine if you're gonna blast cruise, or be off, how you're gonna approach that, that maybe change as you evolve. Um, as we obviously get older, the idea of coming off to me is just too risky and too scary off to me is yeah. 200 megs of uh, testosterone a week and two, I use growth. Um, and, and again, that's going to be where you're optimizing your health because if you go, if you come off completely at say your age, Greg, or even people closer to my age at 35, like you just start getting way too many side effects. <laughs> um, Especially if you've you know used for the last five to ten years, so you know that's what being all for what I will jokingly call a cruise is two hundred to two fifty makes a test and two I use a growth like that's just pretty normal, and you should yep. be able to maintain all the muscle tissue if not build some if your diet and training are right so. That's the base of what I would consider the base. Now, when we want to look to do an all season growth phase. What are some things we would want to look to add? Well, we're going to first thing we're going to do is we're going to adjust those testosterone numbers. That depends heavily person to person how high you go. Um, Again, we want to get the most out of the least. Um, Then you want to look to add in some things like EQ or DECA or NPP um, as a second compound to the test to get more growth off of. Um, we also like running Anadrol at 10 day bursts to really give you that round, full look. The only problem with that compound or drug, typically, is that it crushes a lot of guys' appetites, which is why that turns into a good favorite pre contest when you're really starving. It gets your muscles full, it helps you retain some water, and oh, by the way, it kills your appetite. <laughs> so, that kind yeah. of some carryover there. We definitely want to use some growth, um, pharmaceutical grade, ideally. And that kind of just depends on how much you can afford it. That stuff's super expensive. So you have to be mindful of your budget there. Um, You know, because you don't want to be poor off of a hobby, in my opinion. So again, four to six I use, are kind of that sweet spot to me. Some guys run eight. I think once you get above 10, you're just, that's just too much. You either don't have legit shit or you don't train hard enough or you aren't eating the right amount of food. So four to six is kind of a sweet spot, in my opinion um that's a pretty good little growth phase um in the off season can you throw insulin in there a hundred percent if you use insulin how do you want to do it well first of all if you're using insulin in my opinion your food needs to be fucking spot on or if not you're going to start getting fat for most people um i like that pre-lift i like a fast acting typically humolog. um pre-lift you can even run it post lift with a huge meal so you do a little bit pre a little bit post again those numbers depend heavily person to person so i hate to even throw a number out there roughly six to eight units if you want me to be specific again you have to learn how many units of insulin you use and how many grams of carbohydrates you need with that and during your session so you don't go hypo while you're training you'll know when you're going to hypo and you get those cold sweats and it's hot as hell in the gym so be leery of that. That's not a supplement you play around with. So hire someone that you trust and recommend and that knows that compound. So that's all season. How long do you run something like that? I don't know. It depends person to person, what you feel comfortable with, what your blood work says. That can be anywhere from between eight and 16 weeks. And then I want to follow that up with at least a cruise of the of close to equal amount of time that I ran that higher amount with. So if you do a 12 week cycle, ideally 12 weeks to eight weeks is going to be the time i'm going to go back and cycle down to the 200 to 250 megs of test a week again run that your whole off season if you go on and off on and off on and off of blast and cruise that's how i like it so then when pre-contest starts you have to time it you have to have some forethought so to me you never want to blast in my opinion into a show prep and then blast some more so you want to lead into a show prep being on your lowest amount possible. So 200 makes a test, rolling into a uh, contest prep at 16, 18, 12 weeks out, and your body is fresh. That way, when you add those supplements back in, they're sensitive to them, which is the reason why I didn't list Masteron and Trend as an, for the all season because when we add those cosmetic, cosmetic supplements in at the end of a prep, meaning six eight weeks, your body has a huge response to it. And it's like, bam, and it starts to change. Yeah. So how much of those two do, the, do we like? Um, again, person to person. Sometimes, you know, you will go as high as like 75 megs a day a trend. Most people don't need that, more like 50 a day. At the end, you can even do 50 every other day. Master on anywhere between four and 600 a week um, would be a good starting point. Then you want to look at like, what I'm going to do for fat burners. So, Clen and T3. Obviously, T3 less is way more. So, we don't want to get a, in my opinion above 50. 75s pushing it in terms of MCG in my opinion per day. Um I like to use less cuz that supplement doesn't care what it eats. It'll eat muscle as easily as it eats fat. So, be leery with that. Um uh, Clen That's a great drug because it's gonna make you feel great. It's gonna definitely speed your heart rate make you burn a shitload of fat and it's going to make your recovery between working sets way faster. So with that, I like to start at low, 20 to 40 micrograms uh, per morning. And then um, from there, you just kind of ramp it up based upon how your fat's coming off. So some people leave it at 40. You can get it as high as 100. I would never go above 120 per day. Um, it's just way too much, in my opinion. I know people do it. That's not what I recommend. Um, with those two supplements, yeah. after the show's over, you definitely want to cycle off of those, but you want to taper them, so you have to be smart about it. With mastron, to me, you just shut it off. Um, I like to post-show lower testosterone pretty significantly. If it gets, say, as high as, say, 750 to 800 leading into a show, um, I want to cycle right back down to 200 to 250, um, keep the Novelytics in for a couple weeks, weeks um, and just make sure we're good and rested and rejuvenated. I always kind of joke with people and say, listen, at the end of a show prep when we're reverse dieting, let the food act as the anabolic agent, not more chemicals. I know it's really popular to stay running high levels for two to potentially three months post-show because they always say, oh, well, you can super compensate and grow like a weed. But to me, like, let the food do that. Um, let your training sessions do that with volume work. Uh, right. You don't need chemicals on top of the chemicals you just came off of, in my opinion. So that's kind of a snapshot. Some people need more. Some people need less. You know, you can get into, like, Winstrol and Primavolin, and we could go all down that route. There's tons and tons of different drugs you could use, Um But I just kind of gave you the base or the basics um, of what a normal person might use or might see. You can have people that, you know, obviously talk about the different runs of and esters of testosterone and the derivatives of it. Um, I I really feel like that's a whole other conversation than what you asked me.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And let me add to this, guys, that, you know, when we're talking about what bodybuilders do coming down the stretch. So uh, Coach Chris mentioned, uh, six to eight weeks leading into a show adding in these compounds if you do these compounds for sixteen to 20 weeks to 24 weeks or half the year or so 52 weeks in a year and let's say you run some of these things for 26 weeks you know half the year because it feels good and you're big and jack and full and you know striated and love the feeling of all this stuff and love the size and Here's what happens. When your muscles grow and you're big and full and everything gains appreciably, so let's say just throwing out a a pound amount and and you're up 20 to 25, what else do you think is also going to grow in the body if you're adding all these compounds to make your – muscles grow and you have significant amount of weight gain, a lot of this weight gain is going to be, some of it's going to be water. Some of it is going to be in your heart. Remember guys, the, the heart is the most important muscle that we have in our body. If you constantly barrage it with insulin and growth and all these different fucking compounds throughout the year, there's a good chance that you're going to get organ growth too. Everything fucking grows. So, your muscles, I mean, if your delts and pecs and legs are growing, guess what also is going to grow? Your heart. That is going to create a situation where you're going to get and you're going to invite high blood pressure. Your heart is then going to be working harder to pump its blood. So that means the elevated heart rate. That means you're going to have really thick and viscous blood because you're now going to be producing a lot more red blood cells and hematocrit in the body, and these things can be detrimental. Sure, outwardly, your outwardly appearance is going to look fucking great, and you may feel great because you're on a ton of things, ton of stuff. So your energy is going to be high. You're working out hard. You have that, you know, motivation because you're on a touch a ton of androgens, you're going to feel like training hard, but you're doing your body a huge fucking disservice by doing all these things for too long of the year because of these side effects you're going to have. Well, it's not even, we're not even talking about the side effects on the liver. We're not even talking about the side effects on on your blood cholesterol, your HDL going in the tank by using too many orals. And, And then your toxicity levels of using all these compounds. So I think when Coach Chris mentions that when you do this stuff leading into a show, it's just for that. It's for leading into a show and maximizing your look and maximizing as you're creating a deficit in your diet to create an environment where your muscles are going to be the most full the most striated and you're gonna look really good on stage. If you take this philosophy year round, eventually you're gonna fuck yourself. Yep. And if you have any markers of family history of heart disease, any family history of cholesterol problems, any family history of diabetes, this is this is you're you're just putting gasoline on the fucking fire here, to be quite honest. And you're asking for troubles. You're asking for a stroke. You're asking for organ failure. You're asking for major problems. So just, just, just know that if you choose this route, if you choose to do it in this manner, and follow this shit that these people are doing online, and 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 glorifying this, and following on these boards and doing this crap, it's it's. I feel like it's uh, not a matter of uh, if, it, it's when.
1: Listen, it's Russian roulette, man. It sure. it, it's Russian yeah. roulette every fucking day, every week, every month that you do that. And I try to yeah. beat that into kids' heads that are young and want to get super fast results. I'm like, listen, you're going to spin that chamber one day and you're going to get a blank. And you're going to spin it again and get a blank. But one day, it's going to land on that bullet and you're going to be dead. <laughs> and yeah listen when your family puts you in the ground when your kids watch you get buried you think they give a fuck how big and lean you were they don't (laughs) they just you think what are they gonna bury you with all those stupid fucking plastic trophies like great he was a big dude he was jacked great guess what no one gives a fuck like What legacy did you leave? What did you teach someone? What kind of impact did you have on the world, on your family, on your community, on your friends, on your clients, uh, on the world around you? Like, that's what matters. That's what I always ask kids. Like, why do we have to gain 50 pounds this year? Like, why? What's it going to do for you? Well, it's going to get me sponsored. Okay, great. You're going to get some tubs of protein for free? Fuck off. Take your time. (laughs) Earn money. And those tubs of protein you can buy with your own money that you earned, like, Come on, yeah. let's be smart. Like, let's not gamble our health for a short-term possibility of growth. Don't do it. Yeah. Because if you do the right stuff over and over and over again, and you eat right, and you train hard, and you use supplements in moderation on a cycling technique, you're going to maximize your possibility of getting out of this, I'm just going to say game alive, or with the least amount of long-term health impact. Um, you know, a lot yeah. of it's genetic um, in terms of, you know, ha- what your health's going to do, but a lot of it's also self-induced. If you're reckless and you don't get blood work done, you don't go to the doctor, you don't take your health supplements, when something arises and you don't take care of it, if you don't give regular blood donations, if you eat bullshit food and pound clean and T3 to stay lean, it's going to catch up to you eventually. Um, maybe not in your 20s, maybe not in your early 30s, But in your late 30s to early 40s, you're going to start seeing some major things go wrong with you. So just be smart. Like, take your time. Slow down. Learn how this stuff works, how it works in your body, um, how your body responds to training and different dosing. And... Over time, you're going to learn, and I think most people would know that you can respond off of a lot less if you're doing all the other stuff right. It's when you compromise training intensity, when you get lazy with your meal plan, is when you need to bring in those high levels of the chemicals. Now, I say that there's going to be some kids who just want to turn pro by 25 and you don't have a choice. You're going to have to do that. Or you're, if you want to win teen nationals these days, you're going to have to start using it 16, 17. Do I, would I want that for me personally? No, I would not. Would I want that for my two boys? No, I would not want that. But that's the life some of those guys choose. So, you know, you just have to understand what you're doing. Don't go in with a blind eye and then don't bury your hand in, head in the sand and say, I'm not going to the doctor because I'm scared of what I'll see.
0: You know, it's, it, it's funny when you bring that up. And, uh, the point of kids and your offspring and, and being a positive role model in getting people into healthy relationships with their body and healthy relationships and working out. One of the things that I probably won't do with my son when I start working out with him and he works out with me is I won't be jacking up my arms, getting down to a tank top, taking off my shirt, posing in the fucking mirror right. and glorify you know, what I do to him and, and, and have his image of me be like it's all about the body and and this exterior look and everything I think I'll be completely covered up I'll be wearing sweats uh, probably a really baggy sweatshirt and sweatpants and I'll go in and I'll teach him the work ethic of working out hard I'll actually probably train with him more like an athlete I'll have him do box jumps I'll have him do kettlebell swings I'll have him jump rope and I'll do all this shit with him because I realized that you know, training and bodybuilding doesn't make you that good of an athlete. If it gets you big and there's an outwardly good appearance, you have the aesthetics, But as far as the functionality and what I think we want to teach our kids, I think it's a whole different thing and a whole different mindset of working out and what we're trying, trying to, uh, you know, teach them and, and, and be a, po- a positive role model uh, to them. So...
1: You know, it's one of those things, man. Like, uh, so Daxon, he's three, right? He he has no clue if I'm big, smaller, in the middle, <laughs> right? He doesn't. Yeah, probably um, not. Ty, on the other hand, he realizes that hey, I I don't look like the other dads of his friends, but he also knows since he's been to the Arnold that I'm not the same size as say Phil Heath or you know uh, Johnny Jackson or Dexter Jackson, right? He he he's not right. an idiot. He he realizes that. But in in his world, like I'm, I, he sees me in the gym. He sees me lift heavier weights. He knows that I'm not what most people would consider normal. Um, but right. it's not it's not really a thought process to him of, hey, that you know that's just my dad. That's that's who he's always been. And yes, he's gotten bigger as I've gotten bigger. But he doesn't think about it. You know, C- kids don't care about that. They they just don't. They. They want you to spend time with them. They want you to pay attention and have interest in their interest. And you know, when I'm in the gym and I'm training him, it's all about how can we get better for wrestling, how can we get stronger, more explosive, um, how can we bring up his weaknesses. It's not about me, you know. Um, and I think yeah. that's a lot of times in the world of bodybuilding, we get caught up and very self-absorbed of me, me, me. I need to be bigger. I need to be leaner. I need to have my shoulders bigger. I need to have my back bigger. Like. But the kids and the people that we influence, like they don't care about that. It's all about how can we help them, and that, that's huge. Once you have that realization that it's not all, your entire life shouldn't be self-absorbed. It's a very powerful but yeah. scary situation, <laughs> you know. Like I, I and, want. And also, go ahead.
0: Yeah, and and to further that point, one of the things that I'm worried about um, is is health. You yep. know, so I, I wouldn't want to do this stuff year-round or even half the year or do anything higher than TRT doses, uh, which probably can help park health and help in a certain way, shape, or form for me as I'm, as I'm in my 40s. Um, and so the longevity of being able to raise your kids, yep. you know, you, you want to be healthy. It, it, you, you need to check your markers. You need to stay up on your cholesterol levels. You need to monitor your heart. You need to monitor your liver. You need to monitor, uh, your insulin, um, levels and how your body's producing, how your pancreas is producing and, 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 and all these things, these markers to pay attention to. If anything, you need to be more cognizant of this stuff than just the yearly check-in. Yep. If you're just doing a yearly check-in with your, with your primary care physician, um, that's probably not enough. No. You probably need to check quarterly or at least every six months yep. and check these things because if you're doing different things at different times of the year, it can be, you can see how it affects your health. You can see your HDL levels going lower. You can see your LDL levels and total cholesterol going higher. You can see where your blood pressure's at. You can see where your hematocrit, and red blood cells and liver functioning, (AST and ALT and all these things. So, so you got to pay attention to these things and uh, this is the long haul, guys. You're in this for the long haul. If you got kids, if you got families, you know, bodybuilding is a hobby. Bodybuilding is sport. Unless you're going to be an ISBB pro and have superior fucking genetics, this is a hobby. This yep. is something that you like to do because you're passionate about it, but don't fucking kill yourself
1: over no. it. No. It's not worth it. Nope. Yeah. No.
0: Do you have anything else you want to add to this?
1: No, man. Just be responsible train hard eat right and yeah. good, good things are going to happen man <laughs> I promise <laughs>
0: yeah absolutely man hey guys uh, for Chris Edmonds I'm Greg Jones thanks for listening to another episode of Physical Culture Radio stay just- tuned